Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast. Kevin, or actually with Daniel and Chuck. So today we're doing something a little bit different. Um, talking to Daniel here, we're going to talk about, uh, well, off-grid locations and maybe an affordable way that you might be able to change your lifestyle and go a different way. Maybe your bug out camp, maybe uh, maybe your whole, you know, house and, and setup. So, well, Daniel, tell me about what you're doing, I guess. All right. Well, we're starting to teach people how to make aircrete. And, uh, you know, if this is new to you, aircrete is just cement. It's not cement with, uh, or I should say, you know, it's not a, a sand and rock product. It's literally just Portland cement that's inflated six times in volume. And what this does is it gives you a lightweight insulating product uh, that you can actually build with. So it's insulation and it's structural. Right. Yeah. It's weird how, uh, you know, stone and, and just, well, center block's a little bit different, but stone has like no insulation, you know, when you do stone walls or whatever, it's amazing how different, you know, with that little bit of air inside makes a big difference. Right. Um, you know, whenever you're talking about off grid locations, um, what I find is if you build earth bags or you build out of stone or something, ultimately what happens is by the end of the summer, it's, it's just uncomfortably hot. You know, you find yourself wanting to sleep outside and so I find insulation, if I have to choose one or the other, I would rather have insulation than just a thermal mass. And mm-hmm. so that's that's what makes aircrete appealing is besides the fact that you can just throw this on a trailer in the back of your truck with a few basic tools and a generator. And anywhere you can drive to, you can put yourself a house or a bug out location or a storage uh, shelter combination together pretty quickly. You know. Now, like how complicated, like what's the process? When, I, when I'm going to do something like this, like how are we getting into it? All right. So uh, like a location, we're going to be building a little bug out location in October. 
And basically, we're going to, uh, in this case, we can actually get a delivery truck. But otherwise, you would throw some cement on the trailer. You get to your location, and you would mix, uh, say, 92 pounds of or an entire sack of Portland cement with five gallons of water or six gallons of water. And then you have an additional five gallons of water that has uh, either soap or like a Drexel foam agent mixed in. And so you have an air compressor. It pushes air uh, and pumps water together in a line. It runs through some pot scrubbers or some really fine steel wool. And this creates a really frothy foam that's a lot like um, uh, thick shaving cream. And you use just a standard like 8-amp drill, and you mix this into a barrel until it inflates to 6 cubic feet in volume. So literally, you're just shooting the foam in the bottom, and you're mixing it in, in with a drill. And at that point, you can either pour blocks or, or take a bucket and pour it directly into molds to uh, form the actual structure. So like regular wood forms like you'd do if you were pouring concrete or you said you could make blocks? Right. And because it's Would the light... forms work or is that too, no, too form... big, too substantive? No, absolutely. Forms are perfect. In fact, they can be lighter weight than normal cement uh Forms. So what we do often is we get this very cheap uh, quarter inch or less uh, plywood, but an actual plywood, and we will bend that into round shapes. Uh, you can make them square. A shape is kind of irrelevant, um, and we just cast it into the structure, and that gives you a very you know a monolithic strong structure. And when they're round, um, we've tested and done uh, wind loads calculations that show it could easily withstand the winds of an F5 tornado. So uh, the round shapes make this a very uh, useful shelter. Uh, we have yet to shoot some 4x4 post at it to see how it actually s- would stand up to you know, heavy flying objects, but uh, mm-hmm. I-, I suspect it's going to do pretty well. Nice. Um, now, I mean, I, I understand most off-grid locations, whatever. People are kind of doing whatever they want to do, and a lot of them are far away from a uh, civilized world, but... Uh, what does what the building inspector think about all this? Yeah, see, it's in, in the industry, this is known as cellular cement, and it's actually in the codes, and that's approved. But what's not approved is the do-it-yourself homemade version. The commercial version is cured in steam, and the homemade version it just has to cure over 28 days before it reaches full strength. So generally, if you go to an inspection office, uh, if if it's over 400 square feet and, and an occupied structure, generally they're just going to tell you no because they right. don't fully understand. Uh, and if they're a reasonable inspector, they'll let you do random crush sample tests throughout the project, and you can show that it actually exceeds the codified standard. But in general, as soon as you talk, start talking round or something unusual, your building inspector is just going to say no. Um, with now, the can you get some kind of engineer to sign off on this? Have you seen people have success with that or not really? <laughs> well, it, it's entirely up to the building inspector because regardless of what the law says, the building inspector is the law in your area. So, um, okay. you can get engineers to sign off on it and they will basically, uh, tell you, well, you have to have a bond beam. You have to have a, a foundation of a certain thickness. And, and so they'll, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll outline it and charge you and then put a stamp on it. And if the building inspector is is a fairly decent person, they're going to say, yeah, I'm good with that. Um, but otherwise, it's relegated primarily as an alternative building uh, material to areas outside of cities where there's no inspection gotcha. or right. there's a little loophole. If it's under 400 square feet, 
uh, very often they will just let they'll just give you a permit, and a lot of times they won't even come look at it. Uh, so there's mm-hmm. there's there's a little space in there where you can build a small you know shop or or studio or something that or storage shed. You know you just kind of got to watch your language and what you say to them. <laughs> right, right, and like you're saying, I mean a hundred or four hundred square feet isn't that tiny, and especially if you just did multiple shelters, you know that kind of thing. You know, and, and if you're thinking of it as that off-grid type location, usually you're not looking to heat a large area or provide electric and plumbing to a large area because that really doesn't work with off-grid in right. most cases. Right, exactly. And obviously, you know, a lot of our, my audience, you know, our big thing is to be, you know, off-grid out there where hopefully it's not in everybody's business and... uh and another story, but, you know, I figured we'd cover the uh, the upfront with that, you know. Oh, absolutely. It's not, it is alternative building, and that means primarily two things. You're not going to just simply pull a permit because there's not a checkbox for it. And two, a bank's not going to finance this. But because mm-hmm. it's affordable, just a shell, if you're building in a dome, the you know, most efficient shape is only about $9 a square foot for the shell. Uh-huh. And that's, and so... Like the stuff to mix it up there, where are we getting all this stuff to figure it out? I mean, it, I don't know. How do we go about it? I guess is the, the, the next question. Well, uh, first of all, you need a drill that's uh, uh, eight amps or greater. It needs to be a plug-in drill, not, not a uh, cordless drill. Um, you, mm-hmm. ne- you need a barrel to mix in. You need uh, one sack, 92-pound sack of Portland cement for each six cubic feet of volume of a wall that you're going to make. So, you know, you can calculate, there's calculators all over the place online where you can figure out what the volume is for a certain thickness of wall. And then you have to, you either, you know, there are places where you can buy foam generators uh, or you can simply make a foam generator, which consists of a a hundred dollar pump off of Amazon, a a water pump. Uh, You have to have a, uh, uh, an air solenoid and you need an air compressor. And, then you need some kind of foaming agent, and that can be dish soap with a little glycerin added. Uh, but of course, the best is a purpose-made uh, foaming agent like Drexel or, or something from like the fire department has that they use to put in their trucks. Right, right. So you know, most of this is pretty common. It's used in agriculture industry, uh, industry so the foam's easily available. Uh, and the tools are basic. You know, you obviously you have to have a generator to run your drill. You have to have an air compressor to make your foam, and that generally needs to be a two-horse compressor or uh, four cubic feet per minute at 90 uh, cubic feet per minute. And so generally, if you have those basic tools and water and some buckets um, and some forms, it, it's really that simple. Not bad. Um you're just doing it kind of anywhere, huh? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, the off-grid locations are the most popular. Um, this little bug-out location we're going to be building in October, it's about 76 miles from the nearest town, if you can call it that. Right. But it's um, it's going to be uh, about 16 foot in diameter. It's going to be cooled with a little mini-split heat pump, and so it would be heated okay. and cooled. Uh, it's almost twice as much air conditioning as we needed, but that was the smallest unit we could get. And it only pulls 500 watts. So that means just two solar panels and a good charge controller will actually run the air or the heat uh, during the day with or without a battery right. system. Right, and that's assuming it's running continuous, you know, so exactly, no, not bad. 
So, um, now how many have you done, or or is this is this the first bigger structure you've done, or you've done a couple in the past, or? Um, I've built mostly smaller structures because you know when you do workshops, you typically you have seven, ten, fourteen days, and you can't really finish. Sixteen foot is really pushing it. Whenever you're just bringing in a bunch of people, teaching something new, and getting it done. And so most of what we've built, we built six structures, uh, 14 and 16 feet. Um, we're currently building one that's like an ongoing project, a student project uh, that's available year-round at uh, our location in Tyler. And it's a 24-foot, one-bedroom dome. It's big enough that I would consider that to be the minimal house with a proper bedroom, a little walk-in closet, an actual bathroom, a place for your washer and dryer, and a kitchen. So 24 is as large as we've gone, but we haven't completed the 24 yet because, like I said, it's an ongoing project that's just open for people to come in uh, because not everybody can set aside two weeks uh, out of their work schedule. Now, your big push with doing domes is because you're thinking roof, and that's a big headache with off-grid, you know, making your own thing. Is I mean, is that your reason as opposed to a, a square or... Well, you know, domes are, are more efficient in building, and it's nice to have that roof. Um, I actually don't prefer domes. It's just what everybody has found. They, they like the dome shape. Uh, it's artistic. It's, uh, it's different. Um, but actually, an arch, because, see, aircrete uh, is strong compressively, so you can put weight on it. Uh, you could park a truck on a block of this stuff. It's fine. Um, but t- it, with tensile strength... Uh, like if you have a bridge and you put weight in the middle, it'll break. So it's semi-brittle, and so that's why you want a compressive structure, and that can be in a, in a dome or an arch. It can also be uh, just straight up and down rectangle square walls. And it's kind of cool because if you, for example, put lap siding inside of your molding, you can cast a square structure. When you pull it off, it looks like lap siding. In other words, the texture is, is built into the pour. And it's substantially faster, so I really like round uh, and even square structures, but I really like the round structures because it gives you that, that tornado proofing, you know. It gives you that shape that wind can't grab. Mm-hmm. And it's fast. You know, I could, we're going to build this this That's... one in just 14 days, and the limiting factor of that is, you know, you can pour 16, 18, 18 inches a day um, before you start to lose some of the efficiency. In other words, the weight begins to compress and pop some of the bubbles. So that means you can only work three or four hours a day on this anyway, which also lends itself to not a hard day and some kind of reasonable work schedule that, for example, you could drive out to the property and do on the weekend. Right. Well, I like all that. So how many hours <sighs> – trying to remember what you said the biggest structure you did so yeah i think you said 14 foot dome you'd you'd done right is that right how long how many hours i understand when you're teaching it's a different timetable and you know people learning and showing people stuff what do you expect i mean what kind of man hours are you looking at to do a 14 it usually uh 50 to, to 70 hours depending on how the, everybody works when they show up because you know they're also learning um, the, mm-hmm. the 24 foot dome, uh, I'll put it this way by myself. Uh, I can spend two hours, uh, mixing enough block, uh, material to pour blocks to go around a dome one time. And since they're one foot blocks, 
Uh, that means that if I really bust my butt and I, and I already have a process going, I pull the bricks out of the mold, I clean them, I refill the mold, and then I go slice my blocks, move them, stack them. Uh, that whole process of building the dome would still, again, uh, take me 14 to 20 days by myself. But, you know, those, those are full days. Uh, whereas casting like a cylinder, um, honestly, uh, it's still 14 days, but it's a lot less work because you're not making blocks, moving, stacking, mortaring. Instead, you're just mixing and pouring, and that's just two, three hours a day, and you're done because, depending on the size, of course, you know, if, if you went to— And the to, blocks aren't bad because they're light, right? right? You said they're like a sixth? Yeah. Yeah, so— of, You know, what I'd expect with a cinder block or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's pictures on the website, you know, guys holding this— uh, three foot long block you know and it's just it's it's you know it's got some weight to it but it's definitely uh substantially lighter than what we're used to with even haydike blocks right it's just bringing our concrete out to the job site and moving it around and mixing it's our only headache huh right and if you can't lift 92 pounds um you know preferably Maybe you shouldn't be living off grid yeah probably well i don't know i mean <laughs> you, you can do it you just have to be intentional right you know if have some help if you're hauling it out there but like this location where we're at because it's not up a mountain we can actually get a mccoy's truck and pay them an extra 75 dollars and they'll come out with their forklift and they will set that cement right beside the mixing station and if you can't lift right. that you, you can still just take a cup at a time out. It, yeah. yeah so you know, you can work around it uh, wherever you're at. Uh, it's really just the the determination to choose that. Hey, I'm just going to do this. Gotcha. No, it's it's definitely a commitment, but I mean, it, it's nice to have options. You know, to have a way out. Now, how about longevity? Like, is this? I mean, how does this hold up to weather over the time? You know, over years or whatever. What are you thinking? Well, you know, it's even though this product is really been around since at least the 70s um the homemade version there's not a lot of structures out there but i've seen a structure mm -hmm. 10 years old and i can't see because when you finish this you're putting on an acrylic cement mix as well as a fabric it's a, a reinforcing fabric that gives a tensile strength kind of like when you put rebar inside of cement to to build a structure that it gains it holds this cement together so the cement doesn't crack and come apart and so we're putting this acrylic cement, which is just literally ac acrylic uh, bonding agent or adhesive added to the mix. It's troweled on the outside. You apply a fabric, you work it through the fabric, and then you put another coat on the outside. So there's really not any – I don't see there would be a lifespan. I don't see that it would really be any reason it couldn't be a multi-generational house. So the lifespan looks good, and they're fire-resistant. If you happen to have a fire, Portland breaks down at 3,000 uh, uh, Fahrenheit. So, you know, that's that's reasonable amount of protection from fire. Right. Not to mention if you're— well, Honestly, yeah. Yeah, and if you're building— Small structure like that, you're not going to have a huge fire. You know, I mean, it's not going to be your burning for days or whatever where you're, you know, heating it up. Right. And if it's like in California where you happen to have some forest fires, I don't know if you've looked at any of those pictures, but the houses burned down and then the bushes beside them were fine. Right. So uh, yeah. so probably this cement structure would survive a forest fire. Uh, obviously, it's not going to rot if it floods. And while you've got your goods stored in there and you're away, rodents aren't going to move in the walls and fill the uh, insulation up with rat urine either. So that, that's definitely a plus. Right. It's no water damage. We're in. Yeah. And I guess technically, if you're planning it out, you can lay plumbing through it and do what you want as you're doing it, huh? You absolutely can. What we do is we put conduit in for wires. 
uh, and, uh-huh. and everything's in place. The boxes are applied. Everything's already there, and then you just pour around it, and then it's just a matter of fishing a, a string through, pulling your wires, hooking up your plumbing, and uh, it's just it's you know I've I've been in constru- uh, conventional construction for over thirty years uh-huh. in all the various aspects. Uh, and ultimately this just seems to keep winning out, uh, in every way, including the fact that by myself, I could go build one of these little 16 foot, uh, cabins or bug right. out locations. And it's still only going to take about 14 days, whether I have a workshop going or it's just me, because, you know, there's only so much you can do in a day. You can only mix so much air Crete and port and that's, you know, two, three, four hours a day. Or, or, you know, if it's an enormous structure, obviously it's going to take longer, but you know, it's, it's easy, it's quick. And that's, uh, hey. Yeah, you're so you're saying the short time. How uh, how long does it take for the molds to harden? Is it overnight to where you can set them in place? I know you said a longer time to cure properly, right. but twenty four hours to when you can work with them. Yes, twenty four hours unless it's really cold outside. Then twenty, and you don't want to make this stuff when it's going to freeze while it's still wet because it can you know break the block apart with when the water crystallizes. Gotcha. But yeah, I mean, 24 hours is usually when we pick blocks up and stack them. Uh, same thing with pouring. We give it about 24 hours and then we pour the next layer. And if it's really hot, we'll pour a layer early in the morning and a layer in the evening so we can go even faster. Mm-hmm. Now, so like if you're doing it with blocks, so you can set in windows and then you said you're basically like skim coating it at the end anyway to as far as sealing the windows to the block. Is that that's how it's done or what do you well we got two options typically with doorways right whatever with, door frame whatever right with doors i really like to uh set some four by four steel tubing uh in the this foundation and that great uh, provides a really solid anchor for the door but as far as windows and stuff go you can just cut them out or you could build it into the mold where it doesn't get filled to begin with and then you build a box frame that goes inside the wall and you get diamond lath and you you nail this all the way around inside and outside on this wooden frame and then you fold it up so you have it about a foot of this diamond lath that overlaps the material inside and outside and then you use that same acrylic uh, cement mixture and you bond that lath to the wall so all the way around the structure it's it's physically bonded over a large surface area so it, it works with doors, too. It's just a preference that I really like a door on a post because, you know, a lot of people love to just slam doors constantly. <laughs> yeah, it does seem that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds right. Now, you have a uh, a website that you basically, or do you have a, a video, a YouTube channel? How is it that you're, well, you're showing people how to do it? We've got a YouTube channel, Tiny Giant Lifestyle, and... Um, you know, it's spread out over a lot of videos, but there's everything you need to know, and it's demonstrated in those videos that won't cost you anything. Um, we at tinygiantlife.biz, which is the website, uh, we sell a online video course so you can get a very focused, simplistic training of the entire process, including building your foam machine uh, and everything and assembling a dome. And then we do workshops that we also uh, offer on the tinygiantlife.biz website for people who really want to get their hands on it and they want to get experience in electrical and plumbing and flooring and, you know, this, this wider variety of skills. Because what I find is that of these domes we've built, most people haven't finished them because they get the shell up and then they're looking around. It's like, well, what now? You know, how, how do I hook up my right. light? How do I, what do I do? You know? And when they're, when you're stuck in doubt and you're unsure, just nothing gets done. Right. 
Now, how long is the video course? Like how many hours? Uh, the video course is about three hours and 47 minutes, I think. And it's in. All right. So, I mean, you're basically somebody goes and gets the course. You basically cut to the chase and, you know, kind of all the direct here to step by step and they're not wasting time and whatever. And somebody who doesn't have any money and time, they're going to start following your YouTube channel and I guess put in the t- or doesn't have money, has time. They'll put it in and uh, check out it on YouTube, huh? Exactly, and and they can always ask questions. I'll answer any questions anybody have. It's freely available if you need more detail. The video course is super focused and super simplified so as to not run off on rabbit trails and get people off topic. So it's very simplistic and focused step-by-step on what you do. And so I tried to keep that as short as possible because – uh, you know, the last thing you really want is to come up with a hundred hours of video to watch and you watch so much stuff that your, your head's left swimming and you're not sure what to do because there's too much information. That's it. People get lost in the weeds, right? Yeah. You know, there's a million people showing you how to do it. And sometimes it's easier to spend a couple bucks and get right to the point and uh, have it laid out clear and, and, you know, easy to follow. So that's awesome. No, not bad. Um, and that's the website again for that is tinygiant.biz. Tiny giant, is that right? Or? Tinygiantlife.biz. Yeah. All the right. whole... See, I'm already cutting it short. Yeah. Well, you know, originally it was more of a lifestyle design thing. And then there's been so many questions and so much demand for Aircrete and hosting workshops for people so that they can get their house, uh, started, you know, and it doesn't really cost them anything. Now tell me about, uh, the workshops like you're hosting those how often and something people can get in touch with you if they're in your area or how's that work well uh we've done workshops in mexico california arizona tyler and now trilingua um the tyler site and the trilingua site uh are my property and i need a structure to demonstrate to people that's completely finished tricked out looking beautiful you know you need something that people can put their hands on and see as a done product. Uh, and that's the issue with doing all the workshops is so far people haven't been completing the structures. And so not having a lived in home to demonstrate has been a handicap. So we're doing the Trilingua site and the Tyler site, and those will be demonstration projects. The others have been hosted. A lot of them we've done have been private workshops where they're not open to enrollment for uh, the public. But then we're also hosting workshops where people uh, commit to a date and then we come out, uh, we start advertising. If we get enough students together, we'll come out to the site and the money for that course basically pays for the materials. It pays for my cost of travel uh, and it gets the, the host a little small starter home built that doesn't cost them anything. And so it's a nice way to, it's kind of like the old barn raising uh, idea, you know, just. Yeah, no, right. That sounds right. People are investing in themselves. They're improving their skill set. They're getting the hands on tactile. So they know that they know that they know they can do this because they've already done it. And then the hosts, you know, they're getting a, a place to start. Nice. No, I like it. Now, how long have you been doing like this specifically? I know you said you've been in construction a long time, but uh, how long have you been dealing with this? I've actually been doing this about two years, and I've been exclusively doing this uh, about a year now, actually. And, um, you know, it's nice. it's enough to, to squeeze by, and so it's it's that balance, you know, of 
of trying to help people and also keep the bills paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a a delicate balance. I don't know. Um, no, not bad. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I mean, any other points that I'm missing that you wanted to bring up or? Well, I think we've covered uh, the bulk of it. You know, if if you are into alternative construction, you know, we got a series of videos on our channel that's like comparing pros and cons of various types of alternative building. And it really helps you consider because, you know, I'm not saying that air creates an answer for everything, but you know, if you build a, like an earth bag house, you know, you've got thermal mass, you've got no insulation, it's too hot at the end of summer, it's too cold in the winter, you're pumping energy into it. Uh, and Aircrete is just insulation. So if you want a completely passive structure, Aircrete doesn't work for a completely passive structure because it's it doesn't have the thermal mass. And so, right. you know, you can mix and match, but whatever you do, you design appropriately for your life, for your needs, and, um, you know, put all the components together to achieve whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Gotcha. No, I mean, it definitely sounds like a real practical, you know, alternative, I guess, to getting set up and, and you know, it's a lot easier than moving big logs and, uh, you know, cutting stuff down. I mean, it's one thing. I mean, and again, I, I imagine you can intertwine the two. You know, if you're cutting some logs to clear the area, I'm sure you could uh, intermingle the beams and the, uh, you know, the block, I guess, and tie it together just like you're tying your windows and doors, right? Absolutely. You might use the beams. Uh, you put a bond beam on top of the aircrete, and then you set your logs on and do a more conventional roof. It's actually a great way to build a more conventional-looking structure. So, yeah, I mean, you can definitely combine it with whatever you're doing. And, uh, again, it's just about being appropriate for whatever your goals are. Right. Now, and like you said, it's nice, something that you can get to a tougher spot. Maybe you're bringing it up on a trailer and a four-wheeler or, you know, whatever, where something where big trucks or something aren't coming through, you know. You're not bringing the crane with the trusses or... uh you know, the Home Depot truck driving up your driveway, you know, this is a good alternative for that in addition to when Home Depot can come drop off your right. and stuff. So. If you're off grid and you're really remote, uh, it is kind of nice. You know, you have tools, you have water, you have cement. You pull out there in a trailer and, and a house grows off the ground and, you know, you're not dealing with a thousand and one items and all the logistics of a more complex, uh, you know, standard, typical house design. And so it is nice in that simplicity that you can just drag this stuff out there and, and you can get it done. No, I like it. Now, it definitely sounds like another option that's, you know, really worth looking into and something to consider. And like you said, it depends. And, you know, I'm sure people have a need for this type of thing, even if it's other outbuildings or different things they want to do. It's a pretty cool idea. And something to add to the arsenal, you know, things you could do. Right. And if you're going to build out a, so no, that's awesome. Yeah. If you're going to build a bug out location or a storage shed anyway, go for it. I mean, it's not going to be run over by pests and you can build a small structure to start with, get that first win under your belt, make your mistakes and then you got it. No, it sounds great. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and tiny giant life dot biz. I got it right this you time. You got it. All right. So thanks again, Daniel, man. I really appreciate you, you know, coming out. Um, so now with that, you guys uh, hang in there. Kevin will be back next week. So stay safe and we'll talk to you guys next week.
The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. 